0: to help us in our journey this evening. We're very honored to welcome to our show Reverend Len Schreiner, an ecumenical Catholic priest who retired one year ago from work as a chaplain doing hospice ministry and is currently devoting his time to writing and speaking about inter-spirituality and the evolution of religious consciousness. Len, welcome to our show.
1: Great to be here, Rabbi Neil.
0: So let's start with, since I mentioned the phrase um, or the term interspirituality, what is interspirituality in contrast to ecumenism or interfaith relations? What is interspirituality?
1: Well, the term was coined by Wayne Teasdale. Wayne Teasdale was a, uh, he's now deceased, he was a professor and uh, he was also one of the planners of the Second Parliament of World Religions. The first parliament being in 1893, and the second being in 1993, he was on four of the committees that prepared that parliament. So in a book uh, called The Mystical Heart, which has done pretty well out there, he describes uh, parts of that, those parliaments. Anyway, he coined the word interspirituality and intermysticism. The difference between this interspirituality And uh, ecumenism or interfaith relations is there is um, a very deliberate, very intentional, conscious choice that an individual makes a group could make as well to participate in the the spiritual treasure and wisdom of other world religions or traditions. And we have to include spiritualities as well. uh, Since because of the time that we live in. So, um, and it's usually based in some mystical experience. All of the world religions uh, were begun or have as their founder or or foundress, someone who had a mystical experience of the divine. And then that was projected out and became a center point in the community around which they gathered, uh, which was a connection for them with the divine or with God. And maybe this is a good place to say one of the ways of describing the difference between spirituality and religion, religion usually, of course, after it's had a period of time in its development, has a formality to it, a set of rituals, of ceremonies, what we sometimes we usually call a belief system in the Catholic Church or Catholic tradition that I'm part of, dogma or a doctrine. So religion is more formal, it's very communal. Spirituality can be something that one would do in a small group, but it's kind of an individual um, uh, solitary uh, practice that one takes up, but they begin to um, experiment and experience more more than just experiment with the treasures of the wisdom of another tradition. And one of the the people that that I like very much is Paul Knitter. Paul Knitter was a professor. Right now, I think he's retired, but he has um, a book in which he talks uh, about himself being Buddhist and Christian at the same time. So he is a very good um, illustration of that. And the way he puts it, go ahead. You have a question.
0: Well, I was going to ask. I mean, for we experience that in the Jewish community a little. Some people talking about. Um, the, the similarities for them between Buddhism and Jewish mysticism I think that's, that's understandable especially because for a long time Buddhism wasn't even seen as a religion it was seen as a, a way of being a way of approaching the world but then how do you bring together for example like Christian spirituality and Jewish spirituality from my experience how do you do that while being honest to both of those modes of spirituality.
1: Yeah, I think that the the authenticity or what can be sometimes called cognitive dissonance, I call it spiritual dissonance. So I, I just changed that one word because this is a dissonance or a conflict in thinking or beliefs that one experiences and it has to do with spiritual matters. You know, it could be a Cognitive dissonance could be just a philosophy. It could be a difference over science. So, this is spiritual dissonance. And it's allowing yourself to to be in that conflict as it moves towards some type of resolution or some type of mutuality. So, in in this case of Buddhism and Christianity, Buddhism, for example, uh, Buddha didn't want to speak about God, had come from a very polytheistic kind of heritage and did not speak about God. Uh, the Dalai Lama says he's always talking about being human. Uh, he doesn't use other words um, of that kind. Now, Thich Han, Hanh, uh, a different kind of Buddhist, will use the word spirit or God. But if to answer that question, the way I think it gets resolved is through a way. It's for those people who... Um, some people describe as spiritually fluid people who are able to say what I'm really doing here is developing or fostering or practicing a way of life. And a way of life, and this would fit Buddhism very well, and I could argue Christianity as well, because it's not so much about I believe in a certain set of propositions or statements, even if they're from the scripture that define my faith and my belief system. But I believe in a way of living. So what Paul Knitter says, and I think does really well, he says Jesus is my savior, using language people are familiar with. But Buddha is my teacher, and he he, he talks about how Jesus didn't leave a very uh, clear path, no well-marked path for him or flowchart. So he said, I found in Buddhism that you have the four noble truths and the eightfold path. And those are very specific. And in Buddhism, which is really a philosophy more than a religion, it's all about practice. Practice. And so that becomes a way of life. And that other larger conflict that is more cognitive, maybe, well, do you believe in this concept of a divine or this concept? You let that be.
0: I find myself challenged. And I don't, I certainly don't want to, this show to become a sort of defense of Judaism. Um, No. But I find myself challenged because some of what you're talking about sounds like it's speaking from a very Christian lens, not from the lens I'm familiar with. For example, when you're talking about religion being formal, having doctrine and dogma and rituals, I can understand that, and saying it's more communal, whereas spirituality is more personal. And I'm thinking not in a Jewish community where spirituality is both very much in the personal frame where you go into the woods and you pray to God, and also in the minyan, in the community of prayer, and similarly, when you're talking about a way of life, I mean that's what Judaism is. It's mitzvah. It's 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 relationship with God through action. So I wonder if some of this is 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 an approach from a more Christian perspective, and maybe the question is how have for me personally, how have Jewish communities access this idea of interspirituality?
1: Well, I, I'm not sure that I'm the best person to answer that question.
0: That's fair, I guess.
1: <laughs> well, let's, let's see if we can talk about this. I know that covenant and Torah is, is major centerfold in the Jewish tradition. Right. Okay. So in Christianity, which talks about another covenant or a new covenant, these are just some of the differences that are real, real for us. There is an emphasis on the communal life. And that's why I do believe um, I would not advocate, for example, for a kind of Christianity that would be pure, absolute Protestantism. It's all about the individual. It's not about the community. It's not about any overseer authority teaching us. It's about what I, an individual, a little bit like the Quaker tradition, for example. I perceive God to be and what my relationship is to be. be. So I think both with the, the Jewish tradition and certainly in Christianity with the things that Jesus demonstrated by the way he lived, but also that he taught, there's always an emphasis on the other and your relationship to the other. In Matthew 25, he talks about whatever you have done to, and this is particularized language, the least of my brothers or sisters you have done to me. So that's a very communal kind of statement, as are the Beatitudes of the Sermon on the Mount, which Gandhi was able to adapt for his life, which was all about a social expression of his his Hindu faith in a very, very deep way. He could adopt that because blessed are the poor in spirit, blessed are the peacemakers, blessed are those who are mourned, are very much oriented to a social reality and to interrelationships. They're not just about the individual.
0: Right. Thank you. I, pre- I really appreciate that answer. Before we take our, our, our break, why, why is interspirituality important for you? Why do you think interspirituality is important now?
1: I, I guess I have to answer this in terms of the way I became involved in it in the beginning. In the 1990s, and by that point, I had left formally left the Roman Catholic priesthood. And they considered me, because of the process, uh, a layperson. Although you're in in our tradition, you're always a priest. Even a retired rabbi is still a rabbi. Right. Okay. So anyway, I was at a peace conference with the Fellowship of Reconciliation, which is an interfaith ecumenical organization, which has members from all the different traditions. We were um, on the Olympic Peninsula outside of Seattle area. And I went to a morning meditation, which someone invited us to the first day of this conference, kind of in the heat and the humidity of the summer. And at that, in that circle of meditation, and we said you could bring a psalm, you could bring a poem, a passage of scripture, if you wish. No one really did much of that. We sat in silence. In that silence, I experienced in a very powerful way a presence that wasn't just my presence or the presence of the young man or young woman across from me, but it was a presence that was collective. Okay, so this happened for me, and it was broadening, to make the answer your question, broadening my narrow parochial experience of Roman Catholicism, and making me realize, I had realized in some kind of a intellectual way, that these other religions and traditions are valid, but now I experienced it really on a very gut level. And that was related then, I'll connect this, this is the bridge to my commitment to working for the end of war, particularly preventing nuclear war at the time, and the ending of war making as a way of life or militarization. And so I made the connection because obviously, this will be very clear, in time of war, if you're sent as a soldier, if you're a person of the Jewish faith, thou shall not kill. If you're a person of the Christian faith, uh, Jesus yeah, I want to hear your, your response to that. But, it just says, love your enemies, pray for your persecutors. You have to go off and be trained to overcome that basic belief that you have in order to kill the enemy, which is then an abstraction. The enemy, not a person or an individual in order to be a faithful soldier. I something happened to you when I said that. What yes, was it?
0: Well, because the Bible doesn't say you shall not kill. Okay. Um, it, it doesn't say that it says you shall not murder. It, I mean, the, the Torah specifically talks about going to war um, as the people are marching towards Canaan. Um, and they do have to fight to defend themselves from uh, attacks from even before they get to the land. Um, so it's not that they're, it's not that they're pacifists totally. Um, but murder is, is very different. Um, and uh, the Ten Commandments, uh, as people call them, or, or the Ten Sayings at the Aseret HaDebrot, say you shall not murder. Uh, I mean, even in, in the Bible, there's, cap, there's capital punishment, um, which I may abhor personally, but um, certainly was present then. And that is killing, but it, it's a different kind of killing. So I appreciate it. But look, we, we're going to take a break. Um, I love this. I'm, I'm so interested by this. I'm really fascinated by this. When we come back, let's talk a little bit more about the difference between interspirituality and, and interfaith relations in particular. You're listening to Soul Searching with Rabbi Neil Amzwich from Temple Beth Shalom and from the Interfaith Leadership Alliance of Santa Fe. Uh, my guest this evening, Reverend Len Schreiner, a former ecumenical Catholic priest who retired a year ago and who continues to devote his time to writing and speaking about interspirituality. And we'll continue that conversation in a moment. listening to soul searching on ksfr with rabbi neil amswich from temple Beth shalom and from the interfaith leadership alliance of santa fe my guest this evening reverend len schreiner ecumenical catholic priest uh, who retired a year ago from work as a chaplain during doing hospice ministry and is currently writing and speaking about interspirituality we've been having a really interesting conversation uh, about what is interspirituality as opposed to interfaith dialogue and relationships I guess for me, my question to you coming back after the break is, I'm still not totally sure I get the difference. You know, as the at the moment, I'm the co-president of the Interfaith Leadership Alliance of Santa Fe. And Interfaith Dialogue says, this is where I come from, as far as I'm concerned. This is where I come from, and I see where you come from, and I have my truths, and you have your truths, and they are equally valid. But it sounds like you're saying something else. I'm not quite sure I've got to the core of the of the difference. So I wonder if you can explain to, to me like how is interspirituality specifically different from interfaith dialogue?
1: Well, I haven't I've done a little bit of interfaith dialogue. I've read about it more than I've experienced it. But in an interfaith dialogue, there is an intellectual endeavor that goes on to understand one another and maybe talk quite extensively about your beliefs or even your experiences, even mystical experiences. Now, Thomas Keating, the the, uh, Trappist monk and the Tibetan Buddhist and others, I have those writings and I'm pretty familiar with it. They came together on a regular basis over a period of about 10 years to do inter-religious dialogue. One of the things he and Thomas Keating had some provisions, basically some guidelines for the dialogue that were going going on. One of those was about suspending your own beliefs or faith, just suspending it, not abandoning it, or giving it up for the period of the conversation so that you can listen to another person and really try to understand them from out of their experience or from out of their, their tradition. So this is one of those deliberate choices that an interspiritual person makes. Um, There's a level of maturity uh, that we could talk about in Kohlberg and Lawrence Kohlberg and James Fowler, uh, levels of faith and faith development, levels of moral development. There's a level at which someone is able to, they've gained all that they can from their own tradition. They've grown up in it. Let's say they're Jewish or Christian or Buddhist. But now they experience something else in their life. Let's say they, they have a friendship with someone of a completely different tradition. But let's say with, a, with Christian and Buddhist. Now they are able to, they're not guarding the way I, I see too many Christians who are trying to protect their Jesus or their idea of their Jesus. But they're really entering into trying to understand the life of the Buddha and what his teachings were and even his relationship to ultimate reality. For Jesus, that would be their relationship to his father, okay? And by doing that, you're moving beyond, as they did in the interreligious dialogue with Keating and the others, the concepts and the notions in which your faith has been couched for a long time, and you're just trying to listen to the bare reality that's taking place between you and this other person. What what Martin Buber might be called the in-between, that is very helpful I think, to realize the in-between and to become comfortable with that place. Now, like cognitive dissonance, spiritual dissonance, you won't be comfortable right away. It's a matter of growth and development within yourself.
0: I think I'm starting to understand, and I really appreciate your difference, almost like interfaith dialogue almost holds you where you are and hears and reflects the other person through that lens. And you're talking about interspirituality being almost suspending where you are so that you can more fully hear the other person i i like the the reference to Booba for me um for Booba that in between places between the i it and the i thou and so for Booba it's much more that theological moment isn't it that, but i i get it's that spiritual moment that you can't explain so i i find this fascinating actually it sounds like it's more interfaith being than interfaith talking or discussing which which i find i i find that very interesting i i believe that there is a place for that in interfaith dialogue but i guess just the name dialogue itself sounds limiting i'm challenged by the idea that you said you know if somebody's learned all they can from their tradition and i i'm challenged by that because you know in in judaism we have this idea turn it and turn it for everything is in it there is no end to learning so for you, is there like, this is the core, this is the core of this faith tradition and everything else is flowery extra, or, or is it a sense of, no, this is all, I've, I've never heard anyone say, if you've learned, if you've learned your, you know, what you can from that faith, what does that mean for you? That was a really interesting thing to say.
1: Well, well I'm not making it as an absolute statement or even in terms of someone's development. Uh, in fact, One of the best things that I learned years and years ago when I just started this process was from James Finley, who was a Trappist monk at one time. But what is a spiritual writer? Maybe you've seen his name around. Uh, He's in his 70s now. Brilliant guy. Um, But he says at this particular workshop that I was at in Boulder, Colorado, he says, as you open yourself to experiencing and learning about the other traditions, religions, you're going to go deeper in your own tradition. So I want to add that to what I said before, because I don't mean in any way that I've exhausted Christianity. And I don't know Judaism well enough to say that I, there's so much I have to learn. I'm still a beginner in many ways. You can't exhaust that either. Uh, but it's a turning point maybe in which you say, you know, I've had my university education in Christianity. Now I want to go out and experience it. I'm going to go to uh, the temple in, with Rabbi Neil in Santa Fe. I'm going to go down to the Buddhist temple, you know, on on rodeo or airport road, those kinds of things. And that becomes a whole nother level and, and development in your education. And so for me, faith is an openness. It's an open door rather than I've arrived at a place. I've got all my propositional truths ahead in front of me. I've got to memorize and I'm really kind of finished. Now I just continue kind of, repeat those for the rest of my life. Whereas my brother does, he wants to stay safely within those teachings or propositions and don't venture outside of them in any way. I'm the existentialist in the family. He's the traditionalist.
0: Gotcha. Okay. I hear where that's coming from now. I thank you. I appreciate that. I understand that. Thank you. I've got we've got five or six minutes left. And I've got two questions okay. I really want to ask, particularly about your your manuscript, you're, you're, you're rewriting this manuscript of yours under the title, A Path of Interspiritual Space, Reflections for Recovering Catholics and Christians. So I, I've got two questions I must ask. The first, recovering sounds like from a disease, like someone recovers from an addiction or that choice of language can't have been accidental. So can I ask, where does that come from, that, that
1: language? Well, the language uh, comes from, A large segment, one of the largest segments, according to the Pew Foundation, of people that are related to religion, but are now marginalized or not practicing, are former Roman Catholics. So that's who that refers to. And somebody humorously, but ironically and truthfully said, I'm a recovering Catholic. And that caught on. Uh, I think what they mean is they're trying to get to the core of their tradition which would be to the core of the Christian message, to the center essence of it, and recover from the other things that have felt like they were inauthentic or partial truths or they were abusive. I didn't experience abuse in my own life. I've experienced some slashes because of my departure from the Roman Catholic Church from authorities within the church. But um, so that's the recovering part of it.
0: That's fascinating. I love that idea. I love the idea of almost recovering from dogma into spirituality or something. I I really I appreciate that because I was really concerned when I first saw that. Like that seemed to be very attacking almost. But I I hear what you're saying. I really I, I appreciate that. So I guess the final question for me almost is like, what is this manuscript? What what are the key points of the manuscript? What is it that you're working on? What is it that you're writing?
1: I've written, I've written the manuscript out of my own experience, beginning with what I shared with you, that, that circle, a meditation circle at the peace conference uh, outside of Seattle on, on the Olympic Peninsula. And then I go, I go into a number of things. I was a, mentored by Daniel Berrigan for a time, um, and that relates back to the peacemaking. Now, to finish that, uh, that idea, I can do it quickly. I meant to say when you asked me, well, why is this needed? Here's what the Institute for Peace said in Stockholm in 1993, but you could say it today and it would be just as true. Every religion teaches peace, but religion was claimed as a justification for more than half of the 50 or so wars and armed conflicts raging in the various nations last year. The same could be said said for today. So I started out as a peacemaker and an active person working for various kinds of social justice, But then through Dan Berrigan, I saw that this was at the core of the Christian faith, the Sermon on the Mount, love of enemies, etc. And I go into that. In the first part of the book, I bring up the two parliaments, 1893 and 1993, and give some background to what those are. Um, In the second part of the book, I, I offer a critique, but a judicious kind of one of the Roman Catholic Church and parts of it that are dysfunctional or incomplete, or I would say inauthentic. In the third part, I offer a kind of a metaphysics for what what, uh, Ken Wilber calls transcend and include. And this is a good thing maybe to leave with people as we come to the close of this. To transcend means, okay, I'm transcending. I've learned my university education in Roman Catholicism or Christianity. Now I'm ready to transcend a lot of those details and even the form of it to go to something that's more the essence of it, okay? So that's the including. You include what you've come from in that tradition, but then you move on, if you can, deeper and closer to the essence. The the main dynamic of the book is that I find out that I'm looking for my family and it's all of humanity. I thought it was the Roman Catholic population or Christians, way too small way too small. So transcend and include or include your tradition and then transcend and keep integrating and integrating and integrating. And you become, I think, a whole person, which is immeasurable, but we have to use some language to describe it. I
0: think I think you've really opened a door today. I'd love to have you back at some point to to really step through that door and to explore interspirituality, to in- explore what it means for you. I mean, you're particularly coming from a, a particular place of having stepped away and then trying to find your new journey. And I, I find that really fascinating. I hope that we can have you back on the show and so that we can, we can talk some more. I found this a really interesting introduction to interspirituality.
1: I would love to come back, Rabbi Neil, and I have to now learn more about thou shalt not. Murder.
0: <laughs> See, and we're already, well, now we're dialoguing. I'm
1: going to do my homework. I would love to come back someday.
0: Thank you. Thank you to Reverend Len Schreiner, ecumenical Catholic priest uh, who and author and speaker about interspirituality and the evolution of religious consciousness. You've been listening to Soul Searching with Rabbi Neil Amswich from Temple Beth Shalom and from the Interfaith Leadership Alliance of Santa Fe. Until we return again in two weeks time, keep searching.